0: Ten seconds to go in the season. Tara Vinen has it. Carolina trailing 2-0. They'll throw the puck in the corner. Two seconds. One second. And the series is over. The Tampa Bay Lightning will eliminate the Carolina, Carolina Hurricanes. The Bay four Bay games two, to one here in, in the four. second round of the 2021 the of the the Stanley 12, Cup playoffs. The Caniacs here are giving a round of applause for their Central Division winning team. But in the end, it is the defending Stanley Cup champions who will advance to the semifinals of the NHL playoffs.
1: This is the Canes Corner Podcast with host Adam Gold, part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now here's the host
2: of the Canes Corner Podcast, Adam Gold. Welcome to the Canes Corner Podcast. I am Adam Gold. Did you miss me? It's been a while. I understand that. It's been exactly 15 days since the final morning after podcast. A uh, little decompression time. Uh, also, there was a lot of pent-up frustration. I'm sure you guys felt it too. And I didn't want to be overly emotional about it. Um, I will, I've will. i always admitted this about the hurricanes. I, I tread a very fine line between fandom because there are personal relationships that I have. Uh, I would never, ever intimate that Rod Brindamore and I are friends. We don't hang out. We don't play golf. uh, We don't just casually chat. Uh, But I've had a very good relationship with Rod Brindamore for a long time, uh, and I wanted this team to win as much as you do. On top of that, sometimes I go a little hard in the paint, when things do not go as planned. So, uh, obviously it was not a good series against Tampa. I think Tampa was clearly the better team. I think you could argue that Carolina could have won games one or two. Um, but I don't know that they were better than Tampa. I don't think they were as good as Tampa in game three. And Peter Mrazek stole it. Game four was a debacle of the highest order, a game that they had to win with a 4-2 lead in the second period before the undisciplined stretch of going to the penalty box. Uh, and then game five, Tampa's just better, and they figured out a way to just choke the life out of the Hurricanes. Uh, so I didn't want to just say um, they lost because boom, 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 even if some of it was accurate. Um, I know Luke DeCock of the News and Observer wrote about it, uh, but it's something I had been talking about for two months, uh, I thought Carolina's arrogance at the trade deadline, that they did not need help in the lineup, cost them. I I, I knew it could cost them. You hoped it wouldn't cost them. It absolutely did cost them. And all you have to do is say, what was their record without Jacob Slavin in the lineup? Not good. No Slavin, no depth on the blue line. It exposed Dougie Hamilton. Uh, you Your only two reliable defensemen in the Nashville series, other than when Slavin came back, were Pesci and uh, Brady Shea, who Brady Shea played his best hockey since last bubble. Uh, and I, I'm not saying Brady wasn't good this year. I thought Brady was very good this year. Uh, but he was excellent in the Nashville series. And when Vincent Trocek and Nino Niederreiter uh, were lost to injury for the bulk of the Tampa series... I mean, Carolina's exposed as not having enough firepower. And on top of that, Martin Natchez and Andrei Svechnikov were at best in and out in terms of their performance. So all of the stuff that I talked about leading up to the trade deadline, because at that point, they didn't have Tavo Taravainen in the lineup, and I felt they had to protect themselves against A, him not coming back, but even if he did come back, you still need depth, and I argued that Sam Bennett would have been a good pick, would, would have been a good pickup, low-cost pickup, didn't cost Florida a ton to get Sam Bennett, and Sam Bennett's got, uh, he's a restricted free agent. He would have fit very nicely into your uh, into your lineup. He can play center. He might not be classically a center, and if you're Ajo, Teravon, Ajo, Trocek, and Stahl down the middle, you don't need Bennett to play center, but Bennett can play the left side. But what would have been wrong with Sam Bennett centering your fourth line in the postseason? Getting power play time. Playing up when needed. What would have been wrong with that? Sam Bennett would have made Carolina better. And my argument was they needed depth. The team that was playing so well during the regular season, that team was owed more than it got from management. Because the the mindset was, we're good enough. And... I just couldn't figure out why anybody would think they were good enough. I've pointed this out before. Every single team that fancied themselves a Stanley Cup contender, every single one, added something. Something of note, even if they didn't need it. Did Tampa need David Savard? No. Got him. Didn't need him the Islanders in the playoffs became a vastly more uh, imposing team offensively with Kyle Palmieri. Travis Ajak, to me, was uh, um, superfluous, but he was a good player. But Palmieri was a difference maker in the postseason. Um, every team did. I mean, maybe uh, maybe Vegas hasn't gotten a ton out of Matthias Yanmark, but they've gotten something. So... Everybody added Carolina didn't, and to me, that was a failure. That was, uh, I've called it organizational malpractice, organizational malpractice. They needed to get better, and then when they got exposed as having two fourth lines for some games in the Tampa series, I just don't know how you're going to win those games. Um, And yet, they still were were there. They were close enough to where they had a puncher's chance, uh, and they just couldn't get it. A couple of other things, and this is what we're going to talk about a little bit later on with Corey Lavalette. We're also going to bring you our conversation uh, with Rod Brindamore in this uh, in this edition of the Canes Corner Podcast. Uh, and what went wrong with Tampa? I'm just going to, without boiling, you know, digging down too deep, Andrei Svechnikov and Martin Natchez were sporadically good, occasionally great But mostly, meh. And Carolina can't afford two of their best five, easily, offensive players, to be meh. They need those guys going. And they weren't going. So that's one thing. Uh, The injuries to Trochek and Niederreiter didn't help. The goaltending was okay. That's what the goaltending was. Okay wasn't as good as goaltending was during the regular season. There were some ugly goals that were allowed that came back to haunt Carolina. We don't have to get into them. Um, and your goaltending needs to be at a higher level. Uh, in the next podcast, you'll hear from Alex Nedelkovic about that. Uh, and he was, I think, incredibly candid about what he brought to the table for uh for this postseason. He didn't think he was great against Nashville. He thought he was better against Tampa. But he agrees wasn't good enough either time. So Carolina needs that they need they needed that to be better and it wasn't. Um, so we'll talk about that with Corey Lavalette. Uh, protected list here's the guys I would protect if I'm Carolina. Uh Aho, Teravainen, Svechnikov, Stahl, Trochik, Fost. And then I'll probably protect Steven Lorenz, although it might not matter. I will be trading Warren Fogle. I don't think Warren Fogle is a player that can play consistently in your top six, and then he becomes just part of your bottom six, and um, I'll let somebody else uh, take on the hope that Warren Fogle gets it with 6'3", 210 pounds, and wondering why he doesn't play uh, with a little bit more anger and aggression. Uh, he always plays hard, but he doesn't always... He needs to play a meaner game, and I don't think that's in it. Uh, I'll protect Slavin Pesci and Brady Shea on the back end, and I will allow Ron Francis to select Jake Bean in expansion if he wants. And I think by exposing Bean, you're at the same time probably protecting a Morgan Geeky or a Steven Lorenz if you decide to uh, to expose one of them. Um, and obviously you'll, you'll protect uh, Alex uh in net. Dougie Hamilton, the Hamilton thing's going to have to be ultra-team friendly. I think the team would like him back, but I think they have some designs on uh, what it would really take to bring Dougie back in terms of giving them flexibility, less so in money than in years. I don't think they really want to go longer than three years, Dougie Hamilton should not take a deal that is that team-friendly. I am not a Dougie Hamilton fan, but it doesn't matter. I recognize that they will be a lesser regular season team without Dougie Hamilton. They'll need to figure out the power play without Dougie Hamilton. But Hamilton, to me, was a zero in two postseasons. I throw out the bubble. Throw it out, coming back off the injury. But he was a zero in the 2019 postseason, and he was a zero in 2021. Um... I mean, if you're if somebody's going to take up, you know, $7 million of your salary cap, he can't be a zero in the postseason, and he's 0 for 2. Uh, so that's my idea of what I do with Dougie Hamilton. If he wants to accept, you know, three times six and a half, three times seven, then I think you can bring Dougie back. But I don't think you can commit long-term to Dougie Hamilton. I just don't. I really don't. Um so uh, so there you go. That's where we are. Uh, we'll talk to Corey Lavalette after you hear from Rod Brindamore. Uh, but all in all, just broad brush the 2021 season. I think Carolina had a great regular season. Thought we saw flashes uh, and a lot of really good play from Martin Natures that gives you hope that he can be a two-way player, similar in ways to Tavo Teravainen. Uh, maybe, and I think if he takes the next step physically uh, and a mindset, then he can be a 70-point guy next year. I think he has that in him. Uh, Andrei Svetchnikov wasn't a great year. wasn't a bad year, but it wasn't a great year. And they needed it to be a great year, especially when they got to the postseason. Wonder if the uh, pending contract uh, was bugging him. Who knows? Anyway, uh, I thank you for your time. Uh, First, a conversation with Rod Brindamore, then we'll take a break, and we'll come back with Corey Lavalette of North State Journal. This is the Canes Corner Podcast. We're brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, you can find it at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina on Hamlin Road in Durham. No place like it. The best customer service in the industry. Great workmanship. Aluminumcompany.com. Jack Adams joins us now on the Adam Gold Show. I'm sorry, it's Rod Brindamore. He won the Jack Adams Award as the NHL's Coach of the Year. Uh, Congratulations on that. So I'm I'm curious, the new contract yesterday, the Jack Adams Award, where does this rank in the greatest days of your life?
0: (laughs) Well, I'm not sure Uh, it, it ranks there, but... It's uh, it was a good day, obviously, um, you know, proud to really represent the organization in this war. I think I said this yesterday, but it's, you know, coach of the year. I mean, it's, it, it, it basically says that we're doing things right around here. And, um, you know, like I said, you've got so many great people helping. There's no way I I, I can do this alone. And um, it starts with the players. Let's let's make sure we're everyone's understanding that you don't have good players. You don't have a chance. And so, players we have are obviously great and uh and then the staff, you know, they just helped me every day. I mean, it's it's a collaborative effort, but I get the credit, so I guess I'll take it. <laughs> yeah,
2: why uh why not accept the credit when you can get it? Um what was the most important part of the new contract for you?
0: Um the the most important part was uh really the keeping the group together and I mean staff um, we got one guy still kind of lingering out there, but I, I'm hoping he'll be back. But other than that, we were able to retain everybody, and but that's really what was the important part for me. It's just you know, I got to come to work every day with people. I want to make sure I can, you know, I know what I'm getting, and they know what I'm there. I'm about so that camaraderie we have in here. Um, I mean, you know, a lot of them mm-hmm. have been around for a long time, and that's that's really special to me. So that actually was the most important part
2: and it's not just Jeff Daniels and I know Dean Chaouth is somebody and we've that's been reported that he's still uh you know looking around to see if there's something else out there for him but it's also support staff uh Billy Bernston the you know strength and conditioning Doug Bennett um right. you know the the equipment guys i mean that video that's this really is you look at everybody as like they're part oh, yeah. of the of the on-ice team right
0: totally Totally, Adam. I mean, you you know those guys. Chris Huffline's the video coach. But
2: mm-hmm.
0: He's my right-hand guy. Like, I don't – I've never – I've been doing this for three years, you know, as a head guy, but I've been with him forever. And, you know, I've never been caught off guard by something the other team does. And, you know, we may not execute. I not you know, obviously win, but it's not because we're not prepared. And he's the guy that prepares me, you know, for the other team. And that says a lot. So, he's been around for oh, – probably forever with all the coaches that have come through here and his experience is just invaluable so you know that's just one guy and you, you mentioned a bunch of the other guys I and mean, how many how many equipment guys in the league can you know sharpen your skates and then fix your car when you're out and something goes wrong and then you need a third goalie to go out there on the ice <laughs> you know like it's uh we got we got guys that are just they do everything here for us so it's uh, it's just a special group and that's that was what was important for me um, you know and getting those guys done
2: Wait a second, George, George Alves can fix your car.
0: He, He's—I'm telling you—he's MacGyver. <laughs> I, I've seen him out there the other day. He was he had the hood of Ned Ned's truck. Was something was wrong, and he was in there going at it, and fixing it, and got him ready going out, on his way. So I'm just. He's the jack of all
2: trades for sure. <laughs> that's that's incredible. Uh, I I'd love to see uh, his business card. Rod Brindamore is joining us here on the Adam Gold Show. New three-year contract. Also uh, named Coach of the Year in the NHL. I'm curious, why not go longer than three years? Or is that something that you're good with
0: personally? Um, well, you know what, Adam, I I, I don't I didn't want to to more than that on my end just because i know if i did i would stick it out through <laughs> thick and thin and, and and you know i don't i don't know how the group's going to be in three years meaning it, is is my voice going to run out is you know what i mean is, uh-huh. I, I just i just didn't want to be cause i know i'm not quitting and i don't know if they would fire me just based on you know i didn't want to have that i didn't want to have that on either side so i just felt like i think three years is, is a good number i know i'm I can hang around for that, and I think I'll still be effective in three years, and then we'll take it from there so it really was more I think me just not wanting to overstay my welcome and and making sure that uh you know I still have an impact and and not get stuck here you know on both ends and then then feeling well oh, I can't fire them and yet you know the time is has come so. I felt like that
2: was a good a good number. Well, cool. I look forward to three summers from now listening to NHL radio on satellite and hearing all of these people speculate uh, about, well, he could go here, he could go here, he could go here. And I'm like, please, would you guys please stop it? You're driving me up a wall. You're making me uh, find Yacht Rock. Uh, Rod Brendamore is joining us here on the Adam Gold Show. You never know what to expect when the season begins because uh, a lot of, you know, team's performance is about chemistry and guys blending together, but at what point this season did you go, yeah, this is a team that can be great?
0: Uh, well, I mean, I felt that from last season, the, the year before, so I just knew that the key and this is what we'll be fighting this year, you know, going into last year, we didn't have a lot of changeover, and so I felt really good about just picking up where we left off And, and, you know, I thought we had a great season the year before, but, you know, can we get a little better? And, and, you know, with the same group, it makes it easy just to kind of turn the page and keep going. And and that was uh, something that I think we hit the ground running. Um, Because of that, I think this year, I don't know. I'm a little, you know, worried about how it's all going to shake out. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's a business and guys got to do what they have to do. And, you know, there's a chance we're going to have a big turnover. And that that's when coaching gets tough because now your message has to really, you know, start over with, with a lot of guys. And and your, your point about the chemistry, it's such a factor in hockey. I mean, uh, you know, it it gets overdone maybe a little bit, but people got to understand that your best players play 20 minutes, maybe Mm -hmm. 24. I mean, there's, everybody has to contribute. So it, it really does have to jive in the locker room. And, you know, like I said, we're a little bit uncertain there this year.
2: I've asked you in the past, after seasons came to an end, like just using Sebastian Ajo as an example, and you mentioned it actually uh, at the uh, the final press conference after the series ended against Tampa, about what does Sebastian Aho have to do to take the next step? And you said uh, publicly and, t- and just in our conversations that you've got to be able to play Sebastian against the other team's best players. And I think that was mission accomplished. All year long, Sebastian was going up against other number 1s. Um, so in a different way, what does Andre Svechnikov have to do to take the next step as a player? It looked like at the beginning of the year he was firing on all cylinders, and then he kind of, his performance and production maybe more so than performance, waned. Uh, it just kind of leveled off. So what does Andre need to do?
0: Well, I think he still has to, you know, learn um, the little details of the game because they all creep up on you. And, you know, he's, he's got to learn how to stay out of the penalty box, right? That's a big thing. I mean, he takes too many penalties. Mm-hmm. And I love how he's taking them in the sense that it's not a lack of effort. It's not like he's cheating the game. He's just trying a little too hard in a, in a lot of ways. But he does have to be more responsible. So that's a learning thing, um, you know, because that that when he's in the box, he's not on the ice. And obviously it puts us in a, in a tough spot. So, mm-hmm. you know, to me, he's got to learn that. Uh, and 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 then it's just a matter of continually getting better with the way the game's played, and that's just understanding it, and that takes time. I mean, you know, it's it's experience, and I think he took a big step this year in, in understanding. What I mean by that is the systems and where you're supposed to be, and especially when you don't have the puck, and mm-hmm. so that you can get it back. You know, so you can have it. Obviously, we know the skill level when he has the puck. I don't know that he needs to get much better. Like I don't even know how how he does get much better. He (laughs) skates well, he shoots the puck as well as anyone, and you've seen him, you know, when he gets the puck below the goal line and in the offensive zone, is there anybody you could say better? Like, he's elite as that comes, but let's figure out how he can get the puck more, and that's, to me, where he, he can improve.
2: Do you turn off when the season's over? Are you watching the semifinals right now?
0: Yeah, I mean, I've been in the rink every day since we've got, I'm sitting here at my desk right now, but, it's you know I think uh, when the season actually ends and, and you know the teams are done I, I I do then try to you know get away from it but that's why I try to make I get everything done training camp get everything ready for next year you know September now in these next few weeks of what I want to show and all that so then I can just know it's all done and you know obviously we'll get back at it you know, a few weeks before. But just knowing that it's kind of where you want to put things in your systems and your video, everything just kind of done, um, you know, that makes you kind of have a, a – you can rest a little bit, you know. for Maybe in August will take a, a couple weeks, but that's probably about it. <laughs> uh, I,
2: I, I joked with Sebastian that you took two days off, I think, after winning the Stanley Cup in 2006. Uh, first of all, is that accurate? And uh, I think he was – he just gave me stunned silence after that.
0: Well, I've talked to him about it, and, yeah, that's true. And I say day off, two days off, two days where I didn't work out. I mean, right. Didn't out, but days off, I, I tell the guys, like, you, you want to get away from the grind and the mental, you know, the pushing and all that. That's what the off season's for, but it's not for shutting your body down. You know, you you got to gotta stay ready and try to get better. I mean, that's all you're trying to do as an athlete is, okay, here I am right now at this level. How do I get a little better? Come back next year. If you take a month or two, three weeks off, you got to spend three weeks to get just back where you were, and then are you actually going to have time to get better? So to me, that's kind of the the trick is figuring that out. Obviously, you need to take a little bit of time to just rest mentally, but I think you got to find ways to keep pushing yourself to to be a better athlete, and that's that's what I think these guys get, and he does too.
2: I think he does. Um, what. What what is your favorite thing about him?
0: Well, I think I think it's the competitive part. Like I think he, like I said, this last year, you know, when we talked right at the end of the year, it's that he hates losing more than he likes winning. And I think if you just, you know, you just watch how he is. And being a young guy, you know, the first couple of years, you're a little bit, you know, I don't want to, are you shy you're a little? You don't want to step out of your kind of. I'm the young guy. Do I need to be a leader? And he's starting to emerge, right? Like this year, I could see it in the locker room. I could see it on the ice. He's he's emerging as the guy um, that wants to take the team on his shoulders and 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 go. So I think um, that's probably the most you know thing I love about him is just that competitiveness and he wants to win.
2: When Slavin was out, Sebastian wore a letter. I thought that was uh, that was very telling because there were opportunities a year ago when. When those things happened, and he didn't get a letter, And I, I'm not saying that he didn't deserve one then, but it was clear that he deserved it uh, deserved it now. All right, who's going to win the Stanley Cup right now?
0: Well, I would say Tampa, but that was my that was my pick for the start of the year, and we were going to have to knock them out if we were going to do it. Obviously, we didn't, so I, I got to stick with that. I, I think they got you know a tough series here, but it, it's playing out the same way it did with us and Detroit, like. It's, you know, the games are going along and then they get a power play and <laughs> score, right? Like, you know, last night wasn't a power play goal, but it, it was because it was four seconds after right. and they couldn't cover. And, you know, New York's doing a great job. I think they only took one or two penalties last night. Like, that's New York has a chance if they do it that way, if the game gets called tight and, you know, all that. But if if they get up in those three and four power plays, I just think they nobody's going to be able to stop them.
2: Rob Brindamore, the Jack Adams Award winner, Coach of the Year in the NHL. Uh, enjoy, uh, enjoy all the trappings of your award and your new contract.
0: Yeah. Okay, buddy. Appreciate it. Take care of yourself.
2: Now we turn to my friend Corey Lavalette, North State Journal, covers the Hurricanes, editor as well, at Corey Love on Twitter. Does it seem longer than two weeks ago?
3: Well, with all the awards and everything that's happened and, and the other series and then that NBA game last night, that <laughs> seems like it left. I, I guess maybe that's what happened. Maybe time has stopped with uh, 90 seconds of an NBA game taking 33 minutes or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it, it feels it feels longer than, than a couple weeks for sure.
2: I mean, it really, it's kind of funny. We're recording this on a Wednesday. It's fifteen days after the end of the season. Uh, I have completely shut down. I haven't done a thing. Uh, I have not uh, not done a podcast since the last morning after podcast. I have not written a thing since the last um since the last game, the last preview. I didn't even do thoughts uh, from the back porch wherever I was when I do these things at home. Um, I just completely shut it down so it just it feels like longer because I haven't done anything uh so as best as we can let's kind of think back on the maybe not just the Tampa series but if you want to expand it to the entire playoff run because I don't think the uh the series over Nashville was the hurricanes necessarily at their best but what went wrong do you think
3: well I think you start with and you know I Rod is always reluctant to talk about 2006 it seems like but the difference between that team and this team is that team was not a great power play team in the regular season and then was a very good power play team in the playoffs
1: right
3: this team this team was an excellent power play team in the regular season and was not a very good power play team in the playoffs and you know when you're losing games two to one two to nothing uh things like that that that's that's the difference right there is if you're losing special teams and, um, Tampa's, you know, power play is a, a, another animal, obviously. Um, but, uh, when, when you're not able to score yourself, you, you don't give yourself much of a chance. And that's kind of what, what it felt like was things never really got back to, to where they were. And, um, and obviously Tampa has a fantastic goaltender. Um, and he, he made it hard on him. So, uh, and, and I think the Islanders are learning that now. Everybody, uh, you know, kind of said the Islanders are, oh, the Islanders are going to figure them out, but um, I think Tampa's maybe maybe figured them out now, and I, I expect that one to end soon, too.
2: Well, I mean, uh, I think the Islanders will actually win game six, and we'll find out later on if, uh, if I'm right or not, because <laughs> tonight is game six. Um, mm-hmm. I think the Islanders will figure out a way to get it back to Tampa, but... I have no doubt that Tampa is the better team and that they will figure out a way to win Game 7. Uh, just as a quick aside, I do not feel the same way about Montreal and Las Vegas, um, or Vegas. I, I'm stunned at what I've watched in that series. I mean, I, I, how does Vegas score goals? I don't even get it. Like, I watch them, they don't, I don't like any of their centers, I mean, Nick Waugh, you know, all respect to Nick Waugh is probably at best a third-line center, and he's probably been their best center in the playoffs. But, uh, I mean, they've got an elite defense, but they made a ton of mistakes. I have just think they're going to lose to Montreal in Game 6 up at the Bell Center.
3: Yeah, the thing that jumps out to me there, and the thing you cannot pin the Hurricanes loss on, is their captain has been terrible. I mean, uh, Barkstone has been bad last night he's turns the puck over at the, at, the, at the Montreal Blue Line. And then this guy who's he was on my selfie ballot, uh, considered one of the best defensive forwards in hockey, doesn't backcheck check and let Caulfield score the third goal. And you're just like, man, if this is what your captain is doing, yeah. uh, there's your problem. And, I, you know, that isn't what happened with the Hurricanes. I don't think there was a leadership vacuum or hole. I think this was just, a, you know, sometimes the power plays are rolling. Uh, sometimes not for like Montreal. Sometimes you're just you're rolling, and Montreal's rolling right now. I don't think you know they obviously added a really talented player with Caulfield, but you know they're they're just rolling. And once you get rolling, it's hard to you know we've seen it with these Hurricanes teams in the past. It's hard to stop a team that's that's feeling it. And uh, you know when when you're not feeling it, like uh, like the Hurricanes were against Tampa, and now how we're seeing uh, Vegas. I get just I I don't know. I mean like the goalie changes and. It's like some weird, bizarro, <laughs> Peter Laviolette thing um, where things just don't... He, does, he made the one goalie move and everyone praised him and then he went back to Flurry last night and that backfired and I don't know. that. Uh, yeah, but uh, I, I think, you know, speaking of the hurry, I think the biggest thing was the power play and then um, that just... Uh, I think that just drains you even at your five-on-five play. And... Um, it does. Tampa's good. Tampa's good. Tampa's yes, really good. The,
2: the answer could have simply been Tampa happened um, but I, I'm just I just want to go you know and po- just kind of focus a little bit on what Carolina was was unable to do basically when they did most of this during the regular season um, Carolina didn't get a lot out of Sechnikoff. Uh I know he he put up points in the Tampa series but I only thought he was really good in games four and five. Uh, And then we had the meltdown with the bad penalty at the end of the second period in Game 4. I think Martin Natchez, other than a couple of flashes here and there, really wasn't very good in the postseason. There were the injuries to Nino Niederreiter and Vincent Trocek, which didn't help. And the goaltending was good, but not playoff good. Um, Even though Mrazek stole a game and Ned had amazing moments against Nashville, I mean, you could probably point to Morazek in game four, Ned letting up certainly a bad goal in game one, and maybe a softer Schwann in game two as being, you know, stuff you couldn't overcome.
3: Yeah, you had, I mean, how many chances are you going to get to score a bunch on Basilevsky and then to lose that game four? Um, and like you said, Morazek was not, uh, you know, outside, you know, the first 12, 16 minutes of that game, he was spectacular and yeah. kept him in the game. And you're like, uh oh, here he comes again. You know, and he's done this. He did this example when he was with Detroit. Yep. You know, uh, you know, had a spectacular series and all and stole games. Uh, I, you know, I'm in the building thinking, oh God, he's gonna, he's gonna do it again. He's gonna, you know, uh, but, uh, it kind of came off the rails after that. And if you can't, if you can't win that game when you do the things they did offensively and finally get some goal, you know, support for your goalie and then, everything kind of implodes, uh, you know, that was kind of, to me, that was the, that was the moment where you're like, well, there's, you know, they've, they've got to they be hurting after this one.
2: Yeah, well, um, they played a, a good game, but, look, they played a lot of good games. I mean, most of those games, uh, ultimately, there are moments where it could have swung one way or the other, but, I mean, for the most part, other than game four, I'm not sure they were really better than Tampa, I mean, I guess you can make the argument they were better in terms of shot quality in game one, uh, but there weren't a lot of second chances in game one. So um, anyway, I have no problem losing to Tampa. I've always thought they were the best team in the division, regardless of where they finished uh, in the standings. Um, What's your protected list for, uh, for the expansion draft when Ron Francis comes calling?
3: Yeah, it's, Tough. I mean, I, I guess it, a lot of it's going to come down to what they do with their defense. Um, you know, they're, they're not they don't have to go seven three and one. They could go with eight. You know, eight and one and protect four defensemen. Um, I guess we have to see, and I, I imagine we'll talk more about Dougie in a minute. Yeah. We, we need to see what the, how that all shakes out. Um, I think no matter what, he's not going to sign a contract if it's here until after the expansion, expansion draft is over. Um, at least I would think so. Um, but, you know, I think if you go a traditional 7-3-1, I think you have to protect your top three defensemen. I think you, you keep Slavin and Pesci are, are obvious. And um, I think I think Brady Shea, the way he played, uh, you know, with Pesci and, and really in the National Series was very, very good. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think he's earned the right to be protected even if he has paid uh, a bit more uh, mm-hmm. and Jake, Jake Dean did not do a whole lot for me in that series and if that's who Ron Francis wants and Ron Francis drafted him and, and all that jazz, then maybe you just say, you know, hey, we're not going to play the games that everyone played with Vegas a few years ago and try to protect guys by trading assets. You, you just cut your losses and say, well, you know, if he, if he pans out for them, great. If he doesn't, um, that's okay too. But uh, to me, that's, that's the, the swing guy there. Um, and then up front, I mean, I think it's, you know, they have to protect stall because of the, uh, because of the no move. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously ajo Teravine and Svechnikov, uh, they're, they're fortunate. They don't have to protect nature. Right. Um, so that's a, that's, that's really good for them. And then you just decide between, um, you know, how important a year of Trochek, a year of Niederreiter, um, are for you you know um if they determine that those guys are not um necessary next year and i think at least trochek is unless there's something else in the works um you know you could leave one of them exposed i am not sure they want to bring back warren fogel and i saw frank ceravelli put him on a on a trade list It's the first i other than other than me mentioning it's the first i've seen a quote-unquote insider say that that fogel could be out there and i think uh, I think he's a guy that maybe uh, may have run its run its course here a little bit. Um, he is who he is, kind of thing, and, and mm-hmm. they don't want to pay him. Uh, you know, he's already making pretty good money, and they don't want to pay him more as a as an arbit- a guy with arbitration rights this year.
2: It, first of all, I, I wonder. I was wondering if you were looking at my uh, my notes here. Uh, this is not a FaceTime call. This is we're just on the phone. Um, I actually have in parentheses trade thirteen. I think that's the move. Um, otherwise, you'd have to protect him. Uh, I guess you wouldn't have to. You probably would, though. Um, but I, I think you're going to trade thirteen. I thought that we were going to see Warren Fogle take the next step, and I think for a part for a time last year, we were seeing that. But I don't think Warren ever fully embraced what he could be as a player, which is, you know, a really rugged physical, um pesty power forward. He's a good four checker. It's not a bad he's not he's got talent. There's just more to give, I think, if you're Warren Fogle. I just don't think he has the mindset to play like a jerk. Uh, when, when he's on the ice, he's a nice kid, I you know, and I respect yeah. that. Um,
3: I, so. I, I couldn't agree more, Adam. I think that's the problem is this is a, a good guy, and you know, sometimes you need not good guys. That doesn't mean they're not good guys in the locker room and they're not good guys to their families, and get off the ice and they're not good guys, but that was the hope with Cedric Paquette, right? Was that you're yeah. adding a guy who is just a, a pain, you know, somebody that. Every other team hates playing against, and that, that didn't really work out all that well either. Right. Um, so I, I agree totally. I think that the problem is, is that, you know, if he leaned into it, if he, if, you know, when the OSHI thing happened a, a few years ago and he hurt OSHI and it was an accidental play, not a, you know, he's not looking to, to injure a guy, but, you know the the guys who are the nasty guys in the NHL lean into that. You know they embrace they embrace the idea that they're to be feared out there, and that you have to look over your shoulder. and Warren plays hard. There's no doubt about it. That's why he made the team. You know his first year because yep. he's a, all he's an effort guy. I don't think you can ever question his effort. It's um, there's just uh, you know uh, you know you can. Would you rather tame a tiger or paint? stripes on a cat kind of thing right <laughs> um and that's kind of that's kind of where you're at it's like would you rather have a guy that you have to rein in or would you rather have a guy that you have to pretend is going to be that guy and uh, that's not a knock on warren as a player and maybe he goes somewhere else and he plays a top six role and it works for him because he doesn't have to be uh a third line grinder agitator type but um there's just not a place for him here to do that. So, right. uh, no, no fault if he is back. I think that's fine if he's back. You know, I think he's a good, he's a good little player, and he he can get hot and all that stuff. But sort of feeling like there's a lot of those guys in the middle of this lineup, right?
2: And 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 you know what? Because you can't keep all of them, and my guess is that they're going to protect Jesper Faust. Uh, not only is a good player, but the price is right, um, and I think that they'll, I think Rod Brindamore wants to bring back Brock McGinn. Um, so that's going to be a $2 million player. Um, and I, I mean, I'm not saying they have to bring back Jordan Martinuk, uh, but if I was deciding between what, 26 year old Jordan Martinook and say 23 23- or 24 year old Warren Fogle, I mean, I think the character of Martinook is higher. And uh, the versatility, he could play in the middle if you had to, uh, even though I don't think he's best suited there. Obviously, these are not guys you protect. um, But to me, Warren Fogle is at the very least the odd man out there. Uh, So I do think that if there's some value, they could trade him uh, as part of a deal, maybe in a larger deal. Um, But I would also throw in uh, protecting Trocek. And um, and then to me, you got to decide probably between one or the other. Morgan Geeky or Steven Lorenz, uh, who would you protect uh, or who are you most fa- uh, afraid of? because I think they're both they both have some value down the road. Who would you be more worried that Ron would take?
3: I, again, I think we have to go back to what they do on defense and if Jake Bean is out there, I don't it I think Ron Francis would be. Uh, it would be unwise for him to choose one of those two guys over Jake Bean because I think there is a feeling that's not there for those other two guys. Um, I mean, you know who I'm going to say. Right. You, <laughs> you pick on me about this all the time. Um, I love Lorenz. I love – and right. I mean, you mentioned you mentioned Martinuk. And, I mean, is that not who Steven Lorenz is could in be. a way? You I could mean, be right. I mean, a high-energy, yep. high, high positive guy. Uh, obviously, Martino is is more of a get in your face and tell you, you know, we got to pick it up kind of guy. Uh-huh. But who's to say Steven Lorenz isn't that in two seasons? This is a guy who's, you know, he's won it. He's won in the ECHL. You know, he's been to the, the finals in the ECHL. He won a Calder Cup. He was a, the best or one of the best players on a on another AHL team. Uh, transitioned into the, and I mean, it's kind of like, the you know, the Warren Fogel path, only a, a harder one, because he wasn't as, as highly, you know, as high of a draft pick and everything. Right. Um, so, you, I mean, I, I like both these kids. I mean, I think he, he's a, a sneaky, sneaky good player, and the kind of guy that got knocked for his skating as a prospect and has proven that you can, you know, you can make up a lot uh, with smart, and I think yeah. that's what where his value is. And then Lorenz is just, I mean, that's just one of those old school, hey, here's a 6'4 six, six, guy who can skate. Let's see what he's got. And then you throw in the fact that he's a hard worker and he's a yes-sir, no-sir kind of guy and uh, all smiles and a uh, little bit of snarl to him on the ice. I like that he's, he's not hes not going to back down from anyone. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think both those kids are, are really fun players to watch and guys to keep an eye on, you know, the – uh, I think they both have careers in front of them, especially if there's 20, you know, 22 more jobs starting next year.
2: No there's no question about it. I'd love to see Steven play a little bit of a meaner game. Maybe you don't do that in year one, but uh, I've probably for the last six or so weeks of the season, to me, uh, I had him ahead of Cedric Paquette in terms of uh, who would be, who would start. On night one of the playoffs, I'm like, give me 78 in the middle of the, uh, the fourth line uh, because I thought I thought he made stuff happen. I think he's a really good uh, four checker. I think he pursues pucks really well. He is uh, a very good skater. I wish he had a little bit more finish to him, uh, but maybe that'll grow over time. Let's move to Dougie Hamilton. All right, uh, I open the floor. Number 19, what do you think?
3: It's a tough one. I mean, it's, it's going to come down to capitalism, right? It's going to come down to what the market will bear for Dougie. Uh, so I mean, that's what it's all going to come down to. I mean, I think, you know, people keep asking me about this and, you know, everyone's talking about the eight year deal, the eight year deal, et cetera. And I I don't think the Hurricanes are going to do an eight year deal, even if he says they'll do $6 million. I don't think that's in the DNA of what this front office wants to do. Um, you know, so it just doesn't it doesn't make any sense to to do that with what they are uh, the way they're they've set themselves up. They've done a really good job at setting their cap situation up, where Trocheck comes off the book and Nino comes off the books, and oh, it's time to play pay nature after next year. You know, I mean, it it all kind of falls in place well for them, and something like this could really blow things up. Um, so, you know, it's I think in a in a dream scenario, if he would take two or three years at like 10 million a year, the hurricanes will probably be like, maybe, you know, maybe as long as this isn't going to rock the boat with guys like Pesci, who get paid half, you know, less than half that, um, you know, maybe they consider something like that. And it might be the best move for Dougie because the flat cap is not going to, you know, yield a, you know, when that, when that comes, when that lift and the, the new TV deal kicks in and all that stuff, there might be a better deal, you know, a better, uh, end of your career, how much money did you make? Deal out there for him in two or three years than there is now. Now he could also go in the tank and lose another half a step, like it seems like maybe he did this year. Right. Um, and you know, I, I don't know how much of that is the recovery from the the broken leg or what. Um, and if that you know just takes another year to kind of get back, but um, man, you got to be careful with these things. And you look <laughs> around the league, and there aren't there aren't a whole lot of deals that goes 7 years where you look at i i mean people have been screaming about the jordan Stahl deal forever and the hurricanes have been very fortunate that jordan has held up the way he has and yeah. has continues to be a good player and i mean i think you know hoping for another year like last year might be tough i mean he had, everything kind of went his way this last year mm-hmm. um, but these these long term deals are tough and i mean i i, I mean maybe the hurricanes do five years you know maybe Maybe, <laughs> nah. uh, but I don't, but at what number do you do five years? Are you willing to go more than seven? I mean, it, it just feels, uh, it feels like a really sticky situation and, um, they're not in a bad cap situation and there are a lot of teams that are. Yes. And if you feel like you can go out and get somebody else, that can fill that void and Jacob way is going to make a whole lot of guys look better than they are. That's not a knock on Dougie. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying you put, you put anybody on the other side of that guy, you put Tyson Berry there and Tyson Berry is going to look a whole lot better than, uh, than he did in Toronto. Now he was great in Edmonton, obviously playing with McDavid and stuff. But, um, so really interesting to me based on what I know on the organization and the way they handle, age regression and things like that. I, I find out, I find it hard to believe they're, they're willing to go many years with him. And I, I guess it comes down to what does Dougie want? Does he want, uh, does he want seven or eight years or does he want to, you know, get paid a little more and do this again in two or three years or four years? Um, I don't know. Um, you know, does Dougie Hamilton want to play hockey <laughs> for seven more years? <laughs> That's true. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, so, uh, I'll be interested to see how it's a, how, how it works out. I, you know, Brenda Moore kind of, it sounds like gave the same speech in a, in a recent podcast that he gave about bulk, which is, Hey, we love the guy, uh, but we love him at a certain number yeah. and he's got to do what's best for him. And I think that's, that's kind of where we're at right now is, is what is the market willing to bear and what, you know, what is Dougie's priority here? And you're only, you know, you only going to get this opportunity once at this age, you know, every year he waits wait to, to cash in is, you know, a diminishing opportunity, but there's all it takes is one, one GM, right. right? To, to say, I'm going to give you seven years and, and, uh, at $9 million and, you know, that looks a whole lot better than five years of seven or seven and a half
2: million from the mm-hmm. Yeah. The, was funny is that, uh, I think it was the, the SB Nation Philadelphia Flyers site. I forget what the uh, the name of it is. Uh, the guy Black who writes Green. it wrote a, yeah, it's like Broad Street something, uh, wrote this, uh, the Hurricanes are shopping his rights. Uh, give Carolina what they want just for the right to talk to this elite. I'm like, wow, uh, you haven't seen, I'm like, I'm, try- I'm not trying to knock Dougie here. You haven't watched enough of Dougie Hamilton if you're losing your mind over this. Um I it's undeniable without Dougie Hamilton they will not be as good offensively, whether it's regular season or postseason. And Dougie has not been good uh in any of the postseasons I am willing to throw away last year's uh bubble. I'm willing to just completely ignore that, especially coming off the injury. But his two postseasons otherwise have been pedestrian uh in uh, you know, in, in Nineteen, it wasn't wasn't good at all, really. Um, and this past year, he was okay. I don't think he was great. I don't think he was a uh, you know a, a positive difference maker. Um, but I That's think, great. but what I think the organization is looking at, I think they would like to have Dougie back. And I don't think it's two years, ten million a year, because I don't think they'll pay anybody ten million dollars. I don't think they'll pay anybody. 12% of the salary cap. Um, and that in, that goes for Andre Svechnikov if somebody signs him to an offer sheet that pays him $10 million. I think they'll take the four first-round draft picks and move. Um, yeah, I think they could... And by the way, I don't think that'll happen. Um, no, no, no. I think they would like to have Dougie back. Honestly, if it was on a three-year deal, which is essentially the same length as what Brett Pesci has left. Um, and in the neighborhood of six, I think they might go to three times six and a half because without that long commitment and knowing that they do have some, you know, salary freedom because there's going to be some, uh, players that are not making a ton of money just yet. They can go a little bit less expensive on a fourth line if Lorenz and geeky and, uh, who knows, maybe another young guy, uh, can make the roster. They can go a little cheaper there, as opposed to what they had there this year, with a bunch of guys making two million. Um, so they can find some low cost uh, help uh, for that. But the way I look at it, you almost need another. Like mean, this is what I argued before the uh, before the trade deadline. They needed somebody else to play in their top five uh, because when we got down to it, um. Especially when you had the injury to Slavin. It just exposed just how uh, light Carolina was on the blue line. Like all the depth, the depth is really, I mean, I'd argue, is the depth is two guys. It's Slavin and Pesci. Like you said, everybody looks great playing next to Slavin. I'd argue everybody looks great playing next to Pesci. I mean, they just make the other guys better, uh, more solid, more reliable. And like I think they would like to have, and maybe you don't have to do it. Um, you don't have to add another defenseman if you sign Dougie for three years. Um, but I still wonder, because there's nobody really in the pipeline. Because I agree, I think Jake Bean is going to go. Uh, I think Francis is going to uh, snap him up if they leave him unprotected. And I think they will leave him unprotected. Because if you don't sign Hamilton and you leave Shea unprotected and Francis takes him, now what do you have? You got to find two top four NHL defensemen. Uh, so that, because there's Great. just nobody coming up. Um, anyway, I just think it's going to be hard to keep Dougie because I think there's going to be too much money out there and too much term. Somebody's going to offer him at the very least five times seven. And I don't think Carolina is going to match that. I don't think Carolina is going to go to five times seven for Hamilton.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think if we're talking three years, six and a half million, there's no way that. It, uh, unless the unless the pull to be here is so great, uh, you know I don't see uh, and I, I don't I don't see him yeah. accepting a deal like that. So I th- I think honestly, right that's not a
2: fair deal for him. I'm not, I'm not arguing so, that that's a fair deal for him. I'm arguing that uh, I think that's what Carolina needs for them to re-sign Hamilton. I think they need it to be team friendly. Because I think that they there are just some other things that they want to address, um, so and I think the fact that he was not good in the postseason, you know, it, you know, again, two of the three years, I think they they see that. So I mean, you're buying a regular season as opposed to a postseason, uh, whereas, and I'm not even saying that um, a Tyson Barry or a Brandon Montour. Uh, or somebody of that ilk is better than I'm not saying it better than Hamilton. Uh, they'll be a lot less expensive uh, than Dougie for sure. Would you, Corey Lovellette? And I know I, I want to wrap this up pretty quickly here. Would you trade for would, would you know, Seth Jones or Matt Dumba?
3: Um, I mean, the hard part with that is we get back to the whole idea of the. uh, of the expansion draft. And that's the one thing that kind of makes this all weird because if Zumba isn't traded before the expansion draft, I, I feel pretty certain Seattle's going to take him. Now you could, I guess, strike a deal with Seattle, but, um, yeah, that
2: ain't, happening. I don't know. That's, Ron Francis is not helping Carolina. <laughs>
3: uh, I, I don't know. That's a, that's a, it's a tough one. I think just because of what I said, I mean, I think with the expansion draft, it, it becomes a, a dicey situation. And I mean, maybe we start thinking of this in terms of what, of what Tampa Bay has done. Tampa Bay hasn't invested in four top four defensemen. Tampa Bay has said, here's the, uh, here's, here's three guys that we really like. We don't care if they end up playing on, on different pairings. We've got three pairs anchored by three good guys. And maybe instead of going and making sure you're getting, you're getting a, really good right-handed defenseman you just go find the best guy available and you you put together three pairings with Slavin Pesci and player x and let Brady Shea fill one of those other roles and let somebody else fill another one I mean you can Tampa's proven you can get by with three very 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 good defensemen on three different pairs and maybe that's maybe that's the route you have to go
2: I, I I certainly see that. If you did, let's just say, trade for Dumba, who's got two more years left at I think $6 million per. Uh, and I don't know what it would cost to get him from Minnesota. It's going to cost something uh, and something substantial because he's a really good player. Um, you could at that point leave Shea unprotected along with Jake Bean. And my guess is that Francis would probably still take Bean. So you would still have Shea. And if they took Shea, I mean, I'd hate to see that but that's $5.2 million. You could probably find somebody to replace Brady. Shea. I think we kind of both agree that if the number was say 3.75, as opposed to 5.25, we'd all be like, that's a great guy.
3: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, you look at Brett Pesh's deal and you're just like, wow, that's amazing. And then you think, you know, Brady Shea makes more than that and that's fine. But, uh, you know, I think we know who the superior player is uh, on most nights. So, uh, you know, uh, it's not a it's not an albatross in any way, right? Um, but but it's a uh, you know it's a it's a little much for what what he brings.
2: Mm-hmm. All right, give me uh, give me a priority as you see it for Carolina.
3: Man, um, I, I mean, I think they need one more. just, quote-unquote difference maker. I think they need to go. It doesn't have to be a star player, but you look at the sneaky moves that teams made to get better over the last year, and I think that, you know, they need to find they need to find another Nino Niederreiter, you know, who came in and, and was a difference maker that year. And Nino was great this year, too, but I think they need one more guy, and it, it could be that Seth Jarvis is that guy. I don't mm-hmm. know if he's going to be ready uh, ready or not, but um, I think they just need – they either need one more guy or they need one of these guys to uh, to really jump to the next level, you know, with Svechnikov and, and Nature. So, uh, to me, that's the most important thing.
2: Yeah, the, um, Nature showed so many flashes of being a complete, you know, two-way player – um, it was disappointing to see him kind of fade toward the end of the season. And again, he had a couple of flashes in the postseason, uh, but he really was non-existent. But if Natus, if the Natus that played in March, if we could get something close to that for 82 games, that's a difference maker. And I I, I just wonder what was up with, uh, with Andre all year, uh, because he was just okay. We didn't see the... The dynamic, um, you know, forceful Andre Svechnikov, uh you, you know, he kind of faded in and out. And they need they need elite Andre Svechnikov. And I do wonder what they're gonna do with his contract. He's a guy they give eight years to, but I'm not entirely sure if you're Andre, the eight years they would be willing to give you now are probably not eight years at the number you want.
3: Yeah, yeah. I think this is a uh, bet on yourself situation for Andre and um, you know, I I, I think a a lot of people have been critical of his season. I think I'm maybe not as harsh on him uh, because I think this was a year that he got a lot of attention from other teams and yes, your star players have to, you know, overcome that and uh, still be difference makers and and all that, but you know, we do have to realize it's still a very, very young player and I think uh, I think he's going to come back even better yep. this next year, and in the long haul, him having a season like this might not be the worst thing in the world for the Hurricanes because maybe that number is two million dollars less than it would have been if he had broken out this year. So,
2: yeah, and I think it'll be a short deal. I mean, I to me, it's either going to it's going to be a two year deal, maybe a three year deal, um, where I, it. Maybe it'll look similar to what Braden Points deal looks like. Although I don't think the third number will will be nine. I don't think it'll be a five seven nine situation. I think more than likely it might be a four six eight situation if it's a three year deal. But I think it's probably a two year deal at a, at roughly around six a year, uh, which I, I think, think right. if I'm Carolina, I'm good with uh, because I don't mind a guy trying to prove it a couple of years from now. You can always find the room. Jake Gardner will be off the books. Are you, by the way, would you buy Jake Gardner out? You know, I
3: <laughs> I'm starting to get the feeling that the way they're talking about it that they they might pull a Tampa here and uh, throw him onto throw him onto long term uh, injuries. Uh, it, you know, they're talking MRIs, and we know his uh, his issue is his back. Uh, you know, they might just. He just might end up having surgery and getting buried, and then you open up that cap space. I'm sure that you know the NHL teams can only insure a certain number of contracts, but I'm going to guess when they signed him, he's one of the ones they chose to insure. And um, so, you know, it's not like it's going to cost you a whole lot. And I, you know, the cap space would obviously help. And oh yeah, you know, then there's there's more money to go. And and the Alex Sennon deal is off the books. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Well. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, man, that was Jim Rutherford's parting gift. Uh, I loved basically yep. everything about Rutherford as a general manager, but that was not his finest moment. Um, but uh, he he brought a Stanley Cup here, and I am not mm-hmm. going to complain uh, at all about Jim Rutherford's tenure. Uh, Corey Lavalette, North State Journal at Corey Love on Twitter. I thank you very much for your time. I went a little bit longer than I anticipated, uh, but certainly not as long as we could have gone, uh, which would have destroyed both of our afternoons.
3: Yep. Hey, I always enjoy talking with you, Adam. So I, I knew we'd go a long way. We <laughs> well, it
2: was great catching up with Corey Lavalette. I appreciate his time, uh, and I appreciate your time. Uh, so next time we convene, uh, we'll maybe pare it down to where Carolina goes with uh, maybe not so much expansion, although maybe we'll get some more clarity, but maybe where Carolina goes, not just in free agency, because I don't think they'll dip into free agency, uh, but trademark market, how to reta- reshape this roster, uh, which prospects might be good, good enough to make the team. Corey mentioned Seth Jarvis. Would Seth Jarvis be uh, be a guy that could actually impact the Hurricanes roster next year. There's a chance of that. I will say this about Seth Jarvis. He either plays for the Hurricanes or he goes back to junior for another year he doesn't need there. Uh, so there's, there's a lot going on with the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, I appreciate your time. Uh, We are brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, you can find it at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina on Hamlin Road in Durham. So uh, go check them out online, aluminumcompany.com. Siding, roofing, entry doors, storm doors, they've got it all. Sammy Hanna and his crew do a great job. Uh, I'm Adam Gold. This has been the Canes Corner Podcast. Talk to you next time.